Neil, fantastic. So great to have you on the show. Honestly, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Oh, my pleasure, Carlos. Thanks for having me. So we're here to talk about your fantastic book, Indistractable. And I think what a time to be talking about it, right? Obviously, with the pandemic at the moment, trying to stay focused is probably more challenging than it's ever been. That That is true. <laughs> I mean, I... I'm uh, I, I'm not glad that uh, book sales are up because of this reason, but that is certainly the case that I have seen a tremendous uptick in sales of the book Indistractable because this is a very distracting time between uh, all the new stressors we have, between having to work from home and our kids interrupting us while we're trying to get work done, uh, between the, the, the disappearance of many of the parameters we had in our day, the constraints around having to go to work and sit at a desk now, everything has kind of changed. And so that also leads to a, a heck of a lot of distraction in our lives right now. But the good news is that the techniques that I wrote about before the Corona crisis are just as relevant, if not more so right now. And so the techniques absolutely still do work during this current uh, crisis that we're going through. They definitely do. And um, I wanted to sort of start first of all, with just talking about what are some of these distractions that we all are guilty of and just yeah. really spelling them out so we can kind of all, as we're, as we're listening, we just suddenly go, yeah, I can relate to that. So it's our phones, it's email, it's what else is it that's really distracting us from, from getting okay, to so where we want to be? This is a really good place to start because, you know, before we can really understand what distractions are, we have to define what that even means, right? What are distractions? And so the best way to understand what distractions are is to understand what distractions are not. So think to yourself here, what's the opposite of distraction? The opposite of distraction, most people will tell you, is focus. But that's not exactly true, that if you look at the source of the word, that uh, the word distraction, the opposite is not focus. The opposite of distraction is traction, that both words come from the same Latin root, trahare, which means to pull. And you'll notice that both traction and distraction end in the same six letters, A-C-T-I-O-N, that spells action. So traction is any action that pulls you towards what you intended to do, things that you do with forethought, things that move you towards your values and help you become the person you wanna be. The opposite of traction is distraction. Any action that pulls you away from what you plan to do, things that you are not doing with forethought and intent, things that move you away from your values and away from the person you want to become. So this is really important because what this tells us is that any action can be either a traction, an act of traction or an act of distraction. Let me give you an example. You know, many of us, we, uh, we, we do something similar to what I used to do all the time before I uh, learned how to become indistractable. I would sit down at my desk and I would say, okay, I'm gonna work on this big project that I've been procrastinating on. I'm finally gonna get to work on it. I'm not gonna delay. I'm not gonna let anything get in my way. Here I go, I'm gonna work on it right now. Here I go. I can relate to this, yeah. <laughs> but first, let me check some email, right? Let me just do that one thing on my to-do list that I need to do just to get the momentum going, right? And we think, well, this is, this is uh, okay because I have to check email sometime today, right? I got to do those things on my to-do list at some point. And what you don't realize is that when you allow that thing that feels productive to trick you into doing it, what you are doing is you've allowed distraction to fool you into prioritizing the urgent at the expense of the important. And that is death to your productivity, your well-being, your happiness, your life satisfaction, because you don't realize you got distracted. Because we think, oh, distraction is what you just mentioned. It's social media. It's uh, video games. No, it's anything, anything 
you didn't plan to do. Now, just like anything can be a distraction, if it's not what you plan to do with forethought, the opposite of distraction is traction. And I would argue anything can be traction. There's nothing wrong with social media. There's nothing wrong with watching videos on Netflix. These are wonderful technologies. I want you to use them. I want you to enjoy them. And why do we have this ridiculous moral hierarchy that, oh, reading a book is somehow morally superior to playing a video game? Whatever you want to do with your time is fine, as long as it's done with intent. The time you plan to waste is not wasted time. So I want to free people from this ridiculous notion that some pastimes are okay and others are not okay, that some technologies are melting your brain and addicting you, which is rubbish, and some things are perfectly fine. No, anything can be traction or distraction. The difference is one word, and that one word is forethought, that whatever it is that you plan to do with your time is fine as long as you do it on your schedule, not someone else's. That's a fantastic frame and a really great way to look at it. If we, if we delve deeper though, and we go, the point at which we're not doing what we intended, what was at our forefront, what are some of the root causes for the instance there where you, where you gave, where you're like, look, I really want to deliver this project. I know I plan, I need to, it's important, it's urgent, it's the thing, but I yeah. check my emails or I check social yeah. or, or I do so, whatever I do. What are some of right. those root root causes that are sort of drawing us away from who and what we really want to be. Yeah, okay, so now we really get to the heart of the matter, that there are two types of triggers that prompt us to either traction or distraction. The first type of trigger is what we call an external trigger. An external trigger, this is kind of the usual suspect. It's the pings, the dings, the rings, anything in your outside environment that leads you towards traction or distraction. It could lead you either way. If your phone rings, it's not necessarily a bad thing, right? If the phone notification is telling you, hey, it's time to go uh, exercise, or it's time to spend time with your kids, or it's a phone call from someone you plan to talk to, that's traction. There's nothing wrong with that. But if it's leading you towards doing something you didn't plan to do, something that doesn't involve forethought, something that is not what you intended to do with your time, now it's leading you towards distraction. So people tend to blame those external triggers, the pings, the dings, all of those things. But that is actually not the leading cause of distraction. The leading cause of distraction is not what is happening outside of us, but rather what is happening inside of us. That the number one source of distraction is not the external triggers, it's the internal triggers. What are internal triggers? Internal triggers are uncomfortable emotional states that we seek to escape from. Because the root cause of all distraction, all procrastination, is a desire to escape discomfort. We have to come to grips with the fact that time management is pain management. Let me say that again, this is very important. Time management is pain management. I like that. Let me tell you, I've read everything there is to read on productivity and time management. I've read all the guru's books, and I will tell you none of the techniques work. None of them work unless, first and foremost, you understand what is the discomfort you are trying to escape from, whether it's too much news, too much booze, too much Facebook, too much football. It doesn't matter. It's all about what sensation you are trying to escape from, okay? 
because it's always about that desire, whether it's boredom, uncertainty, fatigue, loneliness, stress, anxiety, whatever it is, that is the root cause of distraction because procrastination and distraction, it's not a character flaw. For the vast majority of people out there, there's nothing wrong with you, right? You don't have OCD, you don't have ADD, you know, some people do. And there, these solutions actually turn out that what I talk about in my book actually has been, uh, is very effective for some of those folks as well. But for the vast majority of us, there's nothing necessarily, there's no, there's no um, uh, a pathology here. It's just that we don't know how to deal with discomfort in a healthy manner. So when we experience those uncomfortable sensations, we give in to these bad habits of when we feel lonely, we check Facebook. When we're uncertain, we Google. When we're bored, we check the news, stock prices, uh, uh, Pinterest, Reddit. We look for something to take our minds off of these problems, off of these uncomfortable solutions. So that's why the first step to becoming indistractable has to be to learn how to master the internal triggers. Because again, time management is pain management. And if you don't first start with that fact, and do some of the, the icky sticky work of realizing, wait a minute, what am I trying to escape here? What's this uncomfortable sensation that I don't know how to deal with without distraction? You will always be distracted by one thing or another. So that's where we have to begin. And you talked about this, you, you talked about actually defining who you want to be and, and setting out your values and actually sense checking and auditing where you spend your time and is this who you are and who you want to be. And I, I, honestly, I found it fantastic. There's so many things I took away and I practically approached to this. I mean, every book I read, I don't tend to read books. I tend to study them and I kind of take as many notes as possible because I'm a very practical person. I'm like, what can I do with this? And that's what I love yeah. about your book most, actually, is there's, there's some sort of very small tactical hacks, but there's also something much deeper. And uh, I really, really liked that point. Could you talk us in a bit more detail? You know, I, it got me to ask some really kind of deep questions about who do I want to be as a person? And yeah, where should no, my really, time be spent? I really appreciate that you have that distinction because, you know, a lot of books uh, are full of, of hacks, you know, like productivity tricks. And uh, they're, they're just tactics. And tactics are important. We need to know what tactics. But tactics without strategy is pointless. Mm -hmm. Tactics are what you do. Strategy is why you do it. I want people to understand the deeper psychology of why they get distracted so that they can come up with the best tactics for them in their life. And so that's why what we just talked about, about traction, distraction, external triggers, internal triggers, once you understand that framework, now you're really in control. Now you can become indistractable. So we talked about the first step is about mastering the internal triggers. The second st step is about making time for traction. Making time for traction acknowledges this fact that the vast majority of people have no idea what they are getting distracted from. And the fact is you can't call something a distraction unless you know what it distracted you from. So if your calendar is blank, if you have a to-do list that's a mile long, but nothing on your calendar, you're just distracted all day long because what exactly did you get distracted from? You didn't define what you wanted to do with your time. And so this is why I think that to-do lists are destroying most people's productivity. People don't understand how awful to-do lists are for their emotional, for their psychological well-being, and why to-do lists are making the problem of distraction worse. Because a to-do list is this endless register of output, of things we want to finish, right? 
but you can't have output without input. If you go to the baker and you say, hey, I need 100 loaves of bread. Can you give me 100 loaves of bread? Sure. He'll say, okay, I need the flour. I need the yeast. I need the sugar. I need the salt. I need the input, the ingredients to make the output. Well, what's our input, right? We know what the output is for our jobs. Our output is, is the work we do, right? For knowledge workers, unless you work in a factory, knowledge workers are coming up with novel solutions to hard problems. That's what we do for a living. No matter if you're in marketing or you're an entrepreneur or whatever you do, that's what you're doing if you're a knowledge worker. But what's the input? It's not flour and yeast and sugar and salt. It's only two ingredients, time and attention. That's it. But for many of us, we don't plan the input. We only think about the output. I, and that's, what, that's why to-do lists are terrible because it's, I want to do this and I want to do this and I want to do this and I want to do this. And for the vast majority of people, you know, I, I oftentimes ask people who love to-do lists and I say, let me ask you something. This is a tool that you know, the gurus say, this is how you get things done. You, you, you've got to keep a to-do list. I say, when was the last time you didn't finish everything on your to-do list? And you know what the answer always is? Uh, actually today, and yesterday and all of last week, actually, I never finished everything on my to-do list. And yet people keep using this terrible strategy that, that does nothing but reinforce an identity of someone who doesn't do what they say they're going to do. You're literally reinforcing your identity of being a loser every day. You still didn't do what you said you're gonna, you promised yourself to do. It's terrible. Instead, what we have to do is do what's called time boxing. Time boxing is when we take our calendar and we account for every minute of our day. And now I know what people are thinking, oh, that's so rigid, I want time to be spontaneous, I don't think that's part of my personality. Suck it up, okay? <laughs> if you don't plan your day, somebody's gonna plan it for you. This is no longer a luxury, people. If you find yourself distracted, if you don't find yourself distracted, you're listening to the wrong episode. But if you do find yourself distracted, if you don't finish everything you do that you wanna do in your day, this is why. It's because you're not accounting for your time. I'm not asking you to track your time. I'm asking you to plan your time. How do you plan your time? What are your values, right? I want you to turn your values into time. How do you do that? Well, there are three life domains. In the middle is you. The next circle is your relationships. And finally, your work. So for each of these three life domains, I want you to ask yourself, what are your values in those three life domains? What are values? Values are attributes of the person you want to become. So I want you to ask yourself for just 15 minutes a week, that's all it takes, sit down for 15 minutes a week. I even built a, an online tool that you can find at nearandfar.com forward slash schedule hyphen maker. Again, that's nearandfar.com forward slash schedule hyphen maker. It's totally free. You don't have to sign up for anything. Just a tool I built to make this super easy so there's no excuses. You go onto this tool for 15 minutes. What I want you to do is to just ask yourself for your three life domains with you, what are the attributes of the person you want to become when it comes to taking care of you? Meaning, how would the person you want to become spend their time taking care of you, right? The most important person in your life. If your values include physical health, do you have time for proper rest, uh, for proper exercise, for nutrition, anything it is that's important to take care of yourself? reading, meditating, prayer, whatever it is that you want to do for yourself, playing video games, I don't care what it is, right? I'm not going to tell you what to do with your time. Ask yourself, how would the person you want to become spend their time? And then book that time with yourself, okay? In your calendar, put that time in your calendar as if you were going to have uh, lunch with your favorite celebrity or uh, sports star or whatever. Somebody you really admire as time 
for you, uh, with you? Would you give them your time? Of course you would. So give yourself that time with yourself. You're the most important person in your life. Have that time booked, okay? The next domain is your relationships, right? You know, so many times in our life, the people who matter most to us, they get whatever scraps are left over, right? After work, after this, after that, then we'll give our most loved people in our life the little scraps of time that are left over. No, book that time with the important people in your life, your friends, your family, make that time weekly commitments because that is an attribute of the person you want to become. The person you want to become wants to spend a certain amount of time with the important people in your life. And then finally, with the work domain, there are two types of work. We have reactive work and we have what's called reflective work. Most people spend their entire day reacting, right? Reacting to emails, reacting to Slack notifications, reacting to phone calls. They're reacting all day long and they have almost no time for reflection. But guess what? The reflective work is where the real work gets done, right? The, the, the idea generation, the planning, the strategizing, that requires uninterrupted reflective time. And if you don't book that time in your schedule, it's not gonna happen. So you've gotta preserve that reflective work time to make sure you can do your best work, that you have time to actually think in your day. I know most of your day is going to be reflective time, the emails, the meetings, et cetera, that's fine, but make sure you also book and protect that time to do reflective work as well. So that's how we essentially use this time boxing technique. It's a very simple technique. I resisted it as well. It looked very rigid to me. The beautiful part is it actually helps you enjoy your leisure time more because many people, they think, oh, I don't want to make a calendar because I like to be spontaneous. Here's the thing. You're not real. You don't even understand what real spontaneity really is because here's what happens when people have leisure who keep a to-do list. I know a lot of people who keep a to-do list and, and I used to do this as well. And when I would come home from work, and I just want to relax. I want to watch a movie on Netflix. I want to just play with my daughter. In the back of my mind was, oh, I didn't finish those emails or I didn't finish everything on my to-do list. Or maybe I should you know, do that one, work a little bit on that RFP I didn't finish. Maybe I should just do a few more things. And I can't even enjoy my leisure time properly. But when you have a time box calendar, you, that, that task, that leisure becomes exactly what you want to do. You want to watch a Netflix movie? Awesome. That now is traction in your life and anything else, work stuff, anything else becomes the distraction. And so very few people out there have actually experienced what it feels like to actually enjoy leisure time. And this is a feeling I want everyone out there to experience because it's such a wonderful thing to say, ah, this is exactly what I plan to do and I can enjoy it without guilt. And you can only do that by planning out that time with intent, using forethought. I couldn't agree more. Um, and I think that's what really jumped out in the whole book, actually. I've never read a book that's sort of framed it in that way and played it out. Because there's so many other parts of this. That there are lots of fantastic books which talk about how can you be a better productive person in the workplace. But they forget the personal life. They forget the point of your leisure time. And, you know, I'm quite a formulaic, organized sort of person. But actually, the bit that becomes the focus is the work side of things. So stepping right. back and actually going, well, well there's a... There's some smart process put in place for work, but actually adapting that for your personal life and actually reassessing and stepping back to then also sense check. And I really like the idea of that audit and going, well, I've agreed and defined these to be my values, yet my time isn't really reflecting those. So something needs to adapt and change. So I think it right. was, um, it, it's, it's just beautifully laid out and it, it's, it becomes, um, 
and the, and the layers below that actually as well. I think um, yeah, to your point earlier, it shouldn't be hacks. Yeah, well, the hacks have to roll up to actually deliver something bigger and more important. But when it then gets into those those sort of great hacks, there's some really fantastic bits you mentioned in the book. Thank you know, you. One, your one, so one of the ones for me actually is Facebook. Yeah, is I just hide the app. I do. It's on my phone. I'm not saying yeah. I'm never going to use it, but if it's there, I could spend 15, 20 minutes in a day looking at it that I don't need to or care about. So I literally right, just right. took it, put it into a different box on a different screen, and I might go on there once every week, every two weeks, three weeks. And I've never actually gone through and assessed and gone, how many blocks of 20 minutes have I got back and where do I redistribute them? But things like that are just so obvious when you step back and stop and think about it and proactively approach this. And actually, the other thing, you know, I was reading this on holiday, actually, and um, so I had a little bit of time, and I literally just went through my phone and was like, what is this app? Delete, 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 delete. <laughs> and then yeah, I, I asked myself, you know, what, why are these things here? What are they supposed to do? And, it, and it's that. It's just it's organizing those things. And, and to your point around technology, it's, it's easy to try and blame technology, but it's not about the blame, and it's not about that you should or shouldn't use it. It's about how and when you do and how it relates right. to your framing of your time and what you want to use it with. Exactly. I mean, these tools are, are fantastic if we use them instead of them using us. That, mm -hmm. you know, we can turn that time that we would waste getting distracted by Facebook. There's nothing wrong with using Facebook or Instagram or whatever your social network of choice might be. They're wonderful tools for connecting us with the people we love uh, in our life. But again, if it's, if it's done with forethought. So I actually have time in my calendar to go on social media. And there's nothing wrong with it because that's the time I plan to go on social media. I turned a distraction into traction simply for the fact that there is time in spaced out, you know, exactly I know that is what I plan to do with my time. And the beauty of it is that I'm not thinking throughout the day, oh, I wonder what's going on on Facebook. I need to check in. What if I miss something, right? I know, no, it's there. It's not going anywhere. I'll have time to check in with my, my closest friends. I'll have time to see what's going on in their lives. That time is booked in advance. And so I don't have to think about it throughout the day. The one I haven't done, which I really want, is the out of office one as well. Or, or the, sorry, not the out of office, the auto reply. The I'm not going to be checking my emails till the afternoon, which again, I think yeah. is genius. Is if you, there's from the four hour working week from sort of Tim Ferriss, there's a equally a similar type of thinking in terms of how, how much time you dedicate to email and how you communicate this to other people. Um, mm -hmm. But are there any other kind of sort of really helpful hacks and perhaps even more so now in this environment we find ourselves? especially people who've got kids right now. I mean, I, my hat goes off to obviously any, any parents at home at the moment, homeschooling is just unbelievable what they're doing. Uh, all right, yeah, I'll give you one having to do with homeschool because you bring it up. So, um, so we talked about step one is mastering the internal triggers. Step number two is make time for traction. The next step is about those external triggers. How do we hack back the external triggers? And I use the term hack uh, it, from the computer programmer parlance, uh, to hack something means to gain unauthorized access, right? That's what to hack something means, like a computer hacker gains unauthorized access to whatever they're trying to hack into. Uh, and so it's pretty obvious. Everybody knows that media companies are trying to hack our attention, whether it's the television, whether it's the news, whether it's Facebook, whether it's uh, with the New York Times, all of them, they make money by selling our attention to advertisers. Who doesn't know that? Everybody knows that's how these companies make money. Clearly, they want to hack our attention. Similarly, 
people in our lives want to hack our attention, right? You're working on a big project and your boss interrupts you because they want unauthorized access to your brain. Your kids interrupt you and want unauthorized access to your attention. So anytime someone is trying to hack your attention, you're not necessarily the victim. You can hack back. And so I tell you, that's why this, this section of the book is called How to Hack Back External Triggers. And so I tell you how to hack back the external triggers, of course, with your email and your phone and Facebook and Slack and all of those things, but also how to, how to have this type of discussion with your boss. There's some very simple techniques you can use. Let's talk about that one you addressed in terms of your kids. What happens if you're working from home and now you have a little one who wants to interrupt you while you're trying to do your job, right? You're trying to work from home. What do you do? Well, there's a very simple technique that I'm about to show you that, that I've used for the past several years that's incredibly effective. We started doing this with my daughter when she was only five years old. It doesn't, unless your kid is very, very, very intelligent, it doesn't work for younger than five years old, but five years old and up, this technique works like a charm. Here's what you do. You look around your house and you find the most ridiculous hat you have, okay? Find the most ridiculous hat you have. And I, what I want you to do is to sit with your child and say, okay, honey, this, when mommy or daddy wears this, this is called the concentration crown. So this is my concentration crown. Whenever I wear the concentration crown, I'm sending a signal to my daughter that if you see the concentration crown, that means daddy can't be interrupted. Okay, so that's how I hack back that external trigger because it's not her fault. If she sees me on my computer, she doesn't know if I, if I can be interrupted or not. So of course, I've talked about step number two where you have to make time for traction so she knows my schedule. That's very important. But if she messes up and she interrupts me when I, I don't want to be interrupted, when I'm doing my focused, uh, when I'm doing that, that reflective work time, the external trigger of the concentration crown makes her stop in her tracks and say, oh, I see that you can't be interrupted. Okay, I'm going to go away now. So That's very, brilliant. very technique anybody <laughs> can use. Concentration crown. Absolutely love it. Nir, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Um, for anybody else who'd love to find out more from you, where should they head? Sure. So my blog is nearandfar.com, but near is spelled like my first name, N-I-R and far.com so near and far.com and if you go to near and far.com there's actually a complimentary 80 page workbook that'll help you on your journey to becoming indistractable you can go and get that for free whether you buy the book or not if you are interested in the book it's called indistractable how to control your attention and choose your life and it's available wherever books are sold fantastic and we'll also be giving away a few copies of the book this week thanks so much near real real pleasure to talk to you all right thank you so much carlos